So one thing that I know you are constantly wanting to build better would be family school partnerships. And today my guest is uh, Rob Besigli, and he is great at that. Uh, he has a track record of forming incredible partnerships um, between schools and families. And so we start off with a, a story of how he got a tax referendum, uh, first one that was introduced in 25 years to pass on the first go. And the reason it worked is because of that family school partnership. So if you're interested in that topic, keep listening. Uh, and I, I think there's also a lot of value uh, to listen to this show too, because at the core of of student achievement and really opening doors, right, to the potential of these young people's lives is having healthy kids. At the core, the kids need to be healthy. And uh, Rob's um, nonprofit, Action for Healthy Kids, is all about that. So I, I hope you hear a bit about what he does and you reach out to his organization as well to uh, partner with him in your school. And the last thing, too, you know, we really dig deeply into uh, why it's important to surround yourself with excellence with other leaders that can push you and help you be better. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. Quick shout-out, too, to my puppy, Alba, who did not bark. She slept like a little babe uh, during this whole podcast, so that was super cool. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Experience self-paced online PD that fits your schedule. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Imagine a tool that allows you to deliver lessons from anywhere, which allows students to connect from anywhere and with any device. And it integrates with tools you already use like Google Classroom and Microsoft Teams. If you think that sounds too good to be true, I can assure you it's not. That's why I'm proud to introduce you to the Smart Learning Suite online. Learn more at smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. That's smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Hey there, Ruckus Maker. Today I am joined by Rob Bisegli who as a nonprofit CEO, who's first and foremost a husband and father of three, Rob cares deeply about promoting justice and equitable opportunities for all kids to be able to fulfill their dreams. After earning his grad degree focused on U.S. human rights foreign policy, Rob worked on U.S. Agency for International Development programs and at other nonprofits that shaped his belief that health is a human right. Rob believes that we have underinvested in kids' health and well-being and that healthy kids make a better world. Under his leadership as CEO of Action for Healthy Kids since 2008, the organization has grown to become the largest family and school health network of more than 150,000 volunteers 
and champions serving the health and well-being of 20 million children in 55,000 schools nationwide. Rob, welcome to the show. Danny, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so Rob, as a board president, you successfully passed a tax referendum on the first go. And from what I understand, this was the first tax referendum in 25 years in the Chicago uh, suburbs. And a key component of that success was the family school partnership, uh, which was formed. So ruckus makers that listen are always wanting to build better partnerships. So tell us a bit of that story. And and from your view, what goes into a successful family school partnership? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. Really appreciate it. So I've been serving on my school board for eight years. Uh, I was president. I'm no longer president right now. I'm still an active school board member. I was president uh, during that referendum that you just mentioned, uh, which which is the first time in 25 years. And uh, we were facing a couple of different issues in our school district. The first one is an obvious one, financial challenges. We had about a million dollar structural deficit. And just to put it into perspective, I I live in the northwestern suburbs of Chicago, and uh, our little district is just a couple of schools. So it's a tiny little district, like a lot of the districts in the suburbs of Chicago. So a million dollar structural deficit is a big deal. And uh, when we found that out, we knew that we needed to take action. We didn't know exactly what we needed uh, to do. The second challenge we were facing was that uh, our facilities, our curriculum, the way we were working with our kids, just our entire approach had begun to fall a little bit behind. Uh, and so uh, we, a group of us who were on the board, we, we knew that we needed to do something. And uh, although a tax referendum hadn't been uh, conducted in our community for a long time, we decided to give it a go. And I, I remember, well, you know, both making the decision at the board meeting, you know, which was a big decision for us because it's a risky proposition. If you don't get it the first time, it oftentimes uh, becomes harder the second. Uh, so we knew that it was a big decision for our little district. No, there were even there was even talk at that time of state takeover of our district. Uh, so it was becoming pretty serious for us. You know that that's the path we were on. So it was it was not a good one for our community. So we decided to go for it. I remember the board meeting, uh, but more uh, more vivid in my mind is the first time I got together. It happened to be in my living room with a group. It wasn't with board members because there are all kinds of restrictions in terms of what board members can do together once the tax referendum propositions passed like that. Uh, but I remember getting together with a group of volunteers, parents and caregivers and other community members in my living room and starting to talk about how we were going to go about engaging our community to make sure that this uh, proposition, this tax referendum passed. And uh, so we started to get to work uh, and created what I'll call a true partnership between the administration of our district and the community members of our district, including parents and others. And long story short, eventually passed that tax referendum on our first try, and it passed pretty easily. And ours is not a community that passes these kinds of things too readily. So it was a big accomplishment. And I I really remember, you know, things like walking from door to door with my kids and my wife and my fellow community members knocking on doors. We didn't go just to parents' houses, of course, because you need the whole community to get behind an effort like that. But I remember going out with my kids. It was, you know, it's one of those things I'll never forget. I don't think they'll ever forget either. It's something that, you know, I wish more people could experience. 
Uh, I remember walking from door to door with my kids along with other community members and talking to people about the importance of education in our community and how it's a cornerstone of a little community like ours in the Northwestern suburbs of Chicago. And it was truly a wonderful experience. And then, you know, the final thing I'll say about it, uh, you know, that experience, which is, uh, like I said, is emblazoned in my mind, is that I remember two and a half years later when we had completely finished, or when we finished the complete and total rehabilitation of both of our school buildings from top to bottom, including all of the systems and all of the classrooms, paint on every single wall and new flooring. They were like new buildings and the satisfaction uh, by me, you know, but I'm just a little part of the equation, but by the entire community who could now really, again, be proud uh, to what we accomplished and really investing in our kids' future. It was, it was something, Danny. Yeah, that's, I appreciate that story. And, you know, it started in the living room there. Uh, and then you're walking door to door with the kids, knocking on doors, having important discussions about uh, education being the cornerstone of, of the community. Uh, and you, you brought up a term called a true partnership. And I, I'm curious, you know, if there's anything else to, to unpack there, at least as a listener, right, uh, during this conversation, I'm hearing the personal touch, right? I'm feeling the connection and the warmth, right, of the living room or the fact that you're bringing your kids along with you and that kind of thing. But is there anything that I'm missing, right, when it comes to true partnerships or anything else you want to add there? Yeah, I think I'll add a couple of things. Some of this will re- relate especially to my organization now. Uh, we, we have a parent program. And uh, so for many years, we have been working to engage parents. Uh, when I say parents, by the way, I mean parents and caregivers. And I'll use it as shorthand for those people who care for kids. We, we recently surveyed them, and a lot of interesting points came out that I think are relevant to this conversation. You know, number one, when you talk to parents, you know, and I'll give you a percentage, 92% people that we uh, surveyed, parents and other caregivers, say that kids are facing more challenges than they have in the last 10 years. Uh, so the level of concern and awareness by parents and other caregivers is just off the charts. 80% of parents that we surveyed say they're interested in giving input. Uh, you know, in our case, things like the health and well-being of kids. Uh, 80%, yet 51%, so more than half of those parents reported that they don't feel included in their school community. And 72% decided against raising concerns that when they had that in their school community. I just thought those numbers are remarkable. And the reason I'm bringing it up is, from my perspective, that true partnership that we were mentioning a moment ago is all about engagement and really trying to both listen and hear the other side. And if you don't have a group of parents, having worked at Action for Healthy Kids for all these years, 13, I've, been, I've been with the organization for 13 years, and having served on my school board for eight years, one of the things that has become really obvious uh, to me is that parents care, and they, they sometimes don't know how to get engaged. There's that small group of parents who you know are really vocal, and they'll be there at every step, but a lot of parents just don't know how to engage, and communities don't, don't think it's their place. You know, to jump in and, you know, quote, unquote, tell the school or the school district or the leaders, you know, what they think or what to do. And so it, it's, a, it's a big barrier for us, you know, the willingness of school stakeholders to engage parents. And then parents also, you know, come to understand how schools work. How can you be a positive and constructive, you know, member of the community and, and help make progress? So it's, it's a major issue for us. 
That's a really key point. So I want to highlight that for the ruckus maker listening, but uh, we, we can't assume, you know, it's, it's a false, it's a negative assumption to make. It's incorrect, I guess is what I should say, to believe that parents don't want to engage. What you're saying, Rob, which I think is the, the correct view, is uh, they just need to be shown how, right? How to partner with the school, what works. And I think, too, you know, it's, it's really easy to put the blame on somebody else, you know, <laughs> instead of um, we're really bad at honest self-reporting. So if you have low parent engagement, what are you doing? That's wrong. Right. And so how are you going above and beyond as a school leader to connect with families and to communicate clearly and consistently? And until the, the time that you're bored saying it, here's how to help. Here's how to help. And doing the hard work too, to understand like Rob's a parent and over here is Miriam and so on and so forth. What are their talents and gifts and how can I tap into that to enrich, you know, the school environment? So I appreciate us digging in a bit to this, um, this, this uh, discussion around partnership. I want to move though to, you know, a bit of what you do work-wise and you call yourself a holistic health organization. What does that mean? Yeah. And yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about the origins of Action for Healthy Kids. So our, our organization started about 19 years ago. And it was started by the former Surgeon General of the United States. So his name is Dr. David Satcher. If you don't know Dr. Satcher or you haven't seen him talk uh, and you want to be inspired, I'd say grab his book or you know, check him out online. He is just one of my heroes, uh, honestly. Uh, and uh, so he, started, he was in both the Bush and, and Clinton administrations. He was literally the Surgeon General who released the report calling obesity an epidemic in our country for the first time. Uh, and it was a big deal back in that day. You know, so that's almost 20 years ago, right? And when he left office, he's a talk-is-cheap kind of person. And he, he decided that something really needed to be done about it. Again, long story short, Action for Healthy Kids, he helped create with a group of other people, Action for Healthy Kids, to take that talk and to address this issue that everyone knew was really becoming an important one for our country and put it on the front burner. So for many years, we were an organization that was really about fighting childhood obesity. So about the physical health of kids, you know, proper nutrition and nutrition education and physical education and physical activity outside of school time. All of those things that we know, but from the physical health of kids are really important. But Several years ago, you know, it started to become much more obvious that our definition of health, physical well-being, uh, was not going to be sufficient. And so we've transitioned to what I'll call, you know, what you just mentioned is a holistic health organization, really about the whole child, making sure that we really count for the whole child. The, the model that we just, uh, that is underpinning everything that we do at Action for Healthy Kids is called the whole uh, school, whole community, whole child model. And if folks don't know about it, it uh, was created by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in conjunction with ASCD. I'm sure your audience knows who ASCD is, a big organization in school administrator world. And it is just what we think is like a, a bedrock for kids in terms of helping kids be healthy, safe, challenged, supported, and engaged. And so we really adapted it, you know, including mental health issues like social, emotional health and positive youth decision making. Uh, and, and really, like, we are now looking at the whole child uh, rather than just their physical health, but, but their, their health in body and mind. 
Thank you. And, uh, you know, Dr. Satcher said that uh, talk is cheap, you know, action is where everything is. And and that's something ruckus makers at Listen believe in too. You know, they are definitely leaders who want to take action quickly and uh, put the steps in for success. And so let's talk about some concrete things that you believe schools can do to build healthier kids. Yeah, that's great. Uh, this is my passion. This is what we do at Action for Healthy Kids. So I just mentioned the WISC model, uh, the whole school, whole community, whole child model. First and foremost, become familiar with that. You know, your community should be looking at this model because it's truly important. But there are other things that can be done. You know, and, and what I really love about our work, Danny, is it's not a money issue necessarily. Yeah, everything takes some money. But I don't see the barriers per se being uh, financial resources. So things like forming a school health team at your school that includes parents and families and caregivers. And one thing that's really important about doing that is make sure it's not just the usual suspects. I mentioned a couple of moments ago those parents who seem to be involved in everything. But what about the parents who don't get involved in every activity? Those are the ones you really want to hear from. And, you know, what that school health team can do is a group of people who can help organize and execute on a school health plan. Uh, so we at Action Project, we have a tool free on our website if you want to check it out. We work with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one of our partners, uh, and we've incorporated into our program design what's called the School Health Index. So it's a self-assessment tool. Now, what you can do is you take it yourself, you fill out this index as a series of questions about what you're doing right now, what your policies are, all different kinds of school health issues. Uh, and what happens is you'll get a report that tells you, you know, where you're, you're, you have strengths and where there are areas where you can improve upon your school health practices. And you can create an action plan around that report. Now, here are the things that we're doing well. We really want to optimize. Here are the things that we're not yet, you know, there on. And we, we need to take some, you know, additional steps in order to get to where we need to be. And then the final thing I'll say, you know, again, a few concrete steps that I think is really important, as a, especially as a school board member for these years, is to make sure that your district's policies also reflect the healthy practices that you're trying to encourage in your schools because your policies, that's what's, uh, that's where sustainability lies. You know, you can move from principle to principle, you know, like, unfortunately, from my perspective, it happens too often, what, every few years or so in your average school these days, uh, which is a shame, uh, but just part of our reality. And you can, teachers can move, move around and parents and kids can, you know, change all the time, right? But your policies are what stand the test of time. So if you embed in your policies really good practices around the health of kids, then you can, you can do your whole community and, and you know, all the kids and future generations a big service over you know, many years to come. Great. And uh, you, you mentioned a number of resources there. So I'll work with you and your team and Ruckus Maker will link them up for you in the show notes so that you can uh, you can check that out. You could also obviously go to the Action for Healthy Kids and use a very helpful uh, search search box there and, and find, you know, everything you're looking for as well. Rob, I want to go back to Dr. Satcher. You mentioned how the former Surgeon General started Action for Healthy Kids. And I know that you've interviewed him before and you learned that he was uh, the first in his family to graduate, not from college, not from high school, but from grade school. And I'd love to link up the podcast interview for uh, Ruckus Makers listening. But I want to point that piece out because that's that's quite an achievement to be the first, right, to graduate from grade school. And how often do we look at kids from 
a certain type of family that maybe hasn't experienced the scholarly success that that some of us may be used to. And we count that family and that kid out, you know, and, and absolutely um, just think that maybe their potential is not there. And so, uh, you know, don't don't count out those students, obviously. And so I, I'd love I'd love to hear uh, from you real quick before we uh, take a break for a sponsor slide is that, um, wh- you know, what did you, what did Dr. Satcher teach you in terms of leadership? What are some lessons that would be a gift to the ruckus maker listening? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Satcher, like I said, he's just wonderful. <laughs> My personal heroes. Uh, he wrote a book recently uh, where he talks about a lot of these things. So it's quite uh, interesting to check out. And he, while he, he's, a, he's a board member emeritus at Action for Healthy Kids now, so he's still on our board of directors. He was an active board in every meeting for a number of years when I started with Action for Healthy Kids. One of the things that became really obvious, uh, and you'll hear it from Dr. Satcher too, if you listen uh, to him for a little while, is that leadership is a team sport. And I just, when he, he, he says it and, he, and his actions, he proves it. Now, no one person uh, can make the kinds of societal change happen that we need to make happen. You can't do it in your own organization. You can't do it in your own school or in your own district yourself. You know, it, one person is not going to make change. And so the idea of really collaborating with others, you know, as a group of leaders, that's where real change happens. Uh, and Dr. Satcher, you know, that's one of the things that will always stand out for me with Dr. Satcher. Second thing, and you know, like really applicable in these times is how unpredictable life is. You know, we're going through these days where, uh, you know, the pandemic and uh, systemic racism and all of these events that we've been experiencing over the last couple of years are really coming to head. And everyone now knows it, but, you know, planning as a leader for the unpredictable and being as ready as you possibly can be, not only with your plan for your organization, for example, but also for your plan for yourself. How do you react, you know, when the tough things come along? You know, Dr. Stanger, and another thing I learned from Dr. Stanger is you know, really being ready, you know, preparing yourself as a leader. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And I love that quote, you know, that leadership is a team sport. And that's so important. We'll talk about this after the break, but why, you know, we need to fight isolation as leaders. You know, that's the number one enemy of excellence is isolation. So, uh, Rob, I'm loving this conversation. We're going to pause here just for a second for a message from our sponsors. And when we get back, let's talk about uh, executive leadership and why it's important to do it in a group setting. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership Program. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. We're now enrolling for February and June 2021. Courses include Leading Change, Leading Schools, and Leading People. Apply today at hgse.me forward slash leader. That's hgse.me forward slash leader. Ruckus Maker, I want to tell you about a remote blended learning tool your school needs right now, Smart Learning Suite Online. As a teacher, you can create, store, and deliver lessons from anywhere, no smart board required, and your students can access and engage with your content from any web browser on any device. 
No matter what your classroom looks like right now, Smart Learning Suite Online offers many options for flexible learning, engaging students via collaborative workspaces and game-based activities. Smart Learning Suite Online integrates with tools like Google Classroom and Microsoft Teams, making it an easy-to-use way to create engaging content and connect with students. Learn more and get started at smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. That's smarttech.com forward slash learning suite. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with uh, Rob Bisegli, the CEO of Action for Healthy Kids. And we just ended on an idea of uh, that leadership in isolation is the number one enemy of excellence. And, and the antidote is to lead within community. And Rob, I know you've been a part of an executive leadership group called Vistage for uh, a number of years. And can you tell us a bit about that experience? Yeah, I, I just love it, actually. I, there's a little bit of a backstory to it, too, if you'd like. Uh, I'm my board of directors, so I've been with Action for Healthy Kids for eight or nine, maybe even getting close to 10 years at the time. And I was perfectly happy. I am perfectly happy. <laughs> I love this work. It's my passion. But my board of directors came to me and said, hey, Rob, we know that we need to keep you engaged as our CEO, as our leader of our organization. What can we do for you? you know, in order to make sure that you stay engaged with this work. And, you know, we want you to be in for the long, be in for the long haul. Uh, and so I took a couple of months. I said, okay, I got to think about it. This is an opportunity. You're, you know, we don't have endless resources, of course, like most nonprofit organizations, but uh, they were giving me an opportunity. So I took a step back. I guess I could have asked for almost anything. And, but what I determined I really wanted, uh, you know, at times, being a CEO of a nonprofit or maybe any organization or company that, as far as I can tell, is, can be an isolating experience. You know, there are things you can and can't talk about with other people in your organization and those kinds of things. Uh, but I, so I went back to that. What I determined after I did my own reflecting is what I really wanted to have was a group of peers who I could stand in front of and talk to about issues that matter to me personally and to my organization, uh, you know, so professionally. And I found Vistage. I'm the only nonprofit uh, CEO in my group. It's all for-profit uh, CEOs, so lots of different companies. Uh, I think that's an interesting thing, too. You know, I have, as you might imagine, I have a good network of nonprofit folks. You know, I love the nonprofit sector, that's my sector. These are my people. <laughs> I, you know, I love it. I love them. And I have a good network of them. Uh, but, you know, what I really found in this group is a group of people who aren't in my normal, my usual network, who, as it so happens, nonprofits and for-profits, they experience a lot of the same issues. In fact, almost all the same issues. There's just a couple differences, really. It's one, one thing I've discovered over the years in working with this group. Uh, but it's been life-changing from a professional standpoint. You know, I, I mentioned before, I used to kind of feel isolated. I now realize that uh, it's a legitimate feeling, but, but I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> and, you know, finding a group of people who you can really be honest with, 
and who really care about you, who care about your organization, come to know you because I've been in it for years now. And we, uh, we, we, we meet once a month all day for that day. Uh, and we come to our meetings with issues to process. And that's, it's been a cathartic experience. I, I can't recommend it highly enough for anyone who's looking to be a leader in the nonprofit world, in the school world, education sector, uh, anything. If you're, if you're looking to be a leader, and leaders can be any, don't have to be a CEO you know, to be a leader. You can be anybody. Uh, I think you need to find your, your group that it can really be like a sounding board. Right. And, you know, part, partly why I bring that up is obviously I facilitate a mastermind for school leaders. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing, they, they say a lot of what you said and what's interesting about our community, uh, literally leaders from around the world. And uh, Sophia, so Sophia, if you're listening, uh, hola, because she's from Argentina and uh, I love you. And listen, she said, when I joined the group, I realized what I experienced here in Argentina is the same as these guys in the United States, in Canada, in various uh, countries that are represented. Uh, and that, that just normalized it for her. And like you said, you used the word cathartic. And so there is value in connecting. And, you know, being a nonprofit leader surrounded by for-profit leaders is interesting. And that's why in our mastermind, we don't read any books from education, not one so that we can be exposed to ideas that are outside our industry to hopefully bring it in and make it better. So I love that you've had such a great experience within that. Um, highly encourage Ruckus Maker listening to check out what we're doing and, and apply if it makes sense. But, you know, more about you and, and your development, Rob, you know, can you share maybe a couple ways that you think your leadership has actually changed uh, and maybe improved as a result of surrounding yourself in that type of community. Yeah, it, it's changed. It has changed me in a number of ways. I'll just I'll talk. I can talk about a couple of them here because I could go on uh, for a while because I've changed quite a bit over the last handful of years. Uh, so I've been in the nonprofit space for about twenty-five years now. Now, because of this experience, I, I rely on other people a lot more than I used to both internally inside my organization and externally outside of my organization. And it, it really has changed the way I view things. You know, I, used to, I guess I used to think too much, too often, not all the time, but too often that, you know, I needed to do so many things myself. You know, whenever issues would come up, I, I probably too often knee-jerked to that kind of reaction where, oh, I got to get this done or, you know, a nonprofit, you know, especially a medium-sized one like Action for Healthy Kids, especially earlier on, we didn't even have the resources we do today. You know, it's, you know, it becomes your passion. You just think you have to do it, you know, you have to keep going, keep going, keep going. You do it all yourself. And now I've realized that really what my work is in my professional life is really around helping others around me succeed. Uh, it's less about me. I like to think anyway, I hope that's the case, and more about the people around me. And their success clearly becomes my success uh, and our collective success as an organization. So I think that's really important. The other thing I've mentioned is I really believe I have become more focused. And I think it's because I don't sweat the little things as much as I used to. I used to really sweat these, you know, when looking in hindsight, looking back on them, these minute details that in the grand scheme are pretty unimportant. And then when you sit in a room of leaders, you know, some of whom 
are running businesses way bigger than, you know, way bigger than my nonprofit organization. Quite a, you know, we are actually both the kids quite the complex organization. Uh, but you know, they're they're running really complex businesses too. And when you say, oh, they're they're experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing, uh, you know, with all their resources, I guess it puts things in perspective, uh, you know, and, and instead of sweating the little things, you can kind of let them go uh, and focus on the stuff that really matters. And it's so good. I wrote recently a blog post about what it takes to be a great leader. And one of my points is getting the right stuff done, you know, and uh, I think we can get so swept up in the minutia and these little details that when you zoom out, it's like, who cares? Nobody cares about this little thing. And you obsessing over it really slows down the progress of the entire organization. So get the right stuff done, have better focus. So thank you for, for sharing that. I want to ask you a question I ask everybody about school marquees. So what message, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world for a day, what would it say on your marquee? This one, Danny. <laughs> I would say healthy kids make a better world. I think that's it. <laughs> and, and by like, like I said, as we've been talking about, it, it, it doesn't mean physically healthy, able to run and jump. Yeah, that's part of it. Able to run and jump and play and all of those things that you know kids need to, need to be able to do. But also healthy in mind. There, you know, when you and I have seen it, I'm one of the first uh, volunteers of the new sort of action for the kids. I literally was a dad when I, I was, I'm a dad. When I joined Action Brothers, because I have three kids now, by the way, elementary school, middle school, and high school. So I'm really on the hot seat when it comes to these kinds of things. But uh, I took, when I first joined Action Brothers Kids, I took Action Brothers Kids information, walked into my principal's office, found out that he was a passionate runner and really cared about fitness. And off we went to make a school health team and improve upon the healthy health practices of our school. And I, I can tell you, I have seen the difference it makes for kids. And I'm also, I'm like, I mentioned to you, I'm a basketball coach on the, you know, when I'm not at actually for the kids, I coach my daughters and my son's basketball team for many years now. And the idea, you know, just seeing these kids grow and develop both physically and you know, emotionally, now that's where it's at from my perspective. Mm, that's good. Well, you're building a school from the ground up, Rob. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school? And what would be your top three priorities? So even before I go into my top three priorities, I'll repeat one one thing I said before. It would be built upon the whole school, whole community, whole child model. It's got to be holistic. Uh, uh, So, you know, so that is like an assumption, uh, not even in like my top three priorities, but super important. My top three priorities, first and foremost, uh, as Action for Healthy Kids looked at its strategic plan for the decade of the 2020s, we stepped back and really looked at child development literature. And the research is conclusive for about the last 50 years. Now, there is no arguing with what I'm about to say. There are three foundations for lifelong health for kids. So the first priority for me and my dream school would be to make sure that the foundations of lifelong health, which are, you know, proper diet and physical activity, number one. So the physical health of kids, you know, it's a foundation of lifelong health. Number two, having a a healthy environment where kids can grow and develop. You know, that doesn't just mean where they can have 
you know, meals, that's really important. Or they can go out on the playground and interact with other kids and become the individual that they are meant to become. Resolve their own problems. Uh, learn to deal with kids and adults alike, all those kinds of things. So it's number two, healthy environment. And then three, you know, have nurturing relationships with adults. Every child needs at least one, hopefully many more, at least one nurturing relationship with an adult. And I, I, I'm sure you're doing me in hoping that those relationships where all kids are, you know, with their parent or caregiver. The fact of the matter, unfortunately, sadly, really, there are too many kids in this country who don't have that kind of relationship with their parent. We know that teachers are the second most likely, I, it's been researched, teachers are the second most likely person to fill that role. That's why they're so important. You know, so number one priority, make sure that it's built, this school is built on the three foundations of lifelong health. Number two for me, a little bit off my professional life, uh, but what I've seen in my work with our school district, make schools experiential. You know, especially now we're all secluded in this pandemic and kids who are learning remotely. Uh, my kids have been lucky. We have been remote at times, but they're back full-time, five days a week, uh, my two younger ones. So I feel just blessed that they're back there because they can experience things. But really making, you know, the school experience in the sense of science projects that include experiments that are actual live in-person experience experiences, not virtual experiments. <laughs> you know, all of those kinds of things that really bring school to life. You know, I think are really so important as a second concept for my ideal school. And then the last one is really making sure that the, this ideal school is a community hub and really open to the community and all members of the community so that it's engaging for all, uh, all parents, all caregivers, kids. You know, I really genuinely believe that when you create an environment like that, that's what really helps kids thrive. When, it, when the school becomes the center of the community and or a center of the community and everyone uh, can get involved. And I just love to see it and families like really engage. But if I had a school, if I could create a school from scratch, those were the concepts that I certainly would build behind. Rob, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's one thing you want the ruckus maker listening to remember? I, I guess it's, I'm just thinking about our times, Danny, you know, like the ones that we're living through right now. And uh, these times require that people step up and get engaged and get involved. You can do it. And, uh, you know, a small group of individuals, I know there's famous quotes about these things, but a small group of individuals that can make a huge difference in the lives of kids. And so I, I just think that's super important. You know, the, will, the willingness to step up and get involved. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. 
You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Thank you.